And um, I hit record right away because I don't want to miss any of the potential gold of this program. Sometimes it just falls out of uh, everyone's mouth. <laughs> That's right. Well, you should have heard the conversation I had with our boy here about, <laughs> about 15 minutes ago. There was a point, actually, Fred, where I was just, just going to hit record because it was, it, was, uh, it was making both of us laugh how ludicrous the conversation was. Uh, oh, I know. Let, let me just see if I can set it up quickly. We were talking about, starting with Fred, but it was sort of hearkening, hearken back to a conversation I had a couple weeks ago where I said, I'm starting to feel like I'm gaining some weight. And anyway, this is where it began with uh, Mr. Poopy here talking about mm-hmm. him getting on the scale again for the first time in a while. Yeah, I was feeling a little sluggish and I'm thinking, why do I feel this way? And then I, I know in the back of my mind what it is. And then one day I thought, you know what, I'm just I'm putting some weight on and I can feel it. So, yeah, I got on the scale and I was 184 pounds, which is roughly up 10 pounds since the spring. So, yeah, I'm walking around with a sack of potatoes around me. And, uh, and so it's, I, time to, it's time to get serious again. And like a lot of things that happen, I weighed myself today. I weigh myself probably more often than you do. But and I, I remember when Juliet came here, when we came to visit you guys, and that was the end of July, I weighed about 188, 189, which is about the weight I'm supposed to. It's kind of where I want to be. When I came back from Mexico, I was 185, but that was way too, you know, it's too skinny. And I weighed myself today, Daniel, and I weighed 196 pounds. Now... <laughs> to be fair, I had a giant portion of jerk pork last night at 8 o'clock because I did a 6.30 yoga class where I sweated my ass off for an hour. And I thought, oh, I'll reward myself with eating enough por- jerk pork for all three of us. <laughs> so, I'm, so. But that, so that's a little bit of a false number. I'm probably around... You know, I've been averaging around 194, 195. So six well, pounds... You didn't do a morning uh, dump? Oh, I've dumped. I, and I, I, oh, I, I Two times. Oh, and so I know that number isn't I, I would if I weighed myself now, it'd be one ninety five. So what's just where I've kind of been the last couple of weeks. <laughs> anyway, this one, one pound poop. <laughs> this, <laughs> then Fred and I start talking about, you know, I, what we've been eating <laughs> before we start the real show. You've got to tell everybody. One of the things, first of all, you named a few things like yeah, I'm not drinking my diet beer. and I'm having some peanuts and stuff. And then you tell me about one of your... And chips and just other <laughs> stuff. You know, when you're at the Tin Palace, there's stuff around. The kids are there and they're eating cookies. You reach over and grab one. Anyway, I get into this habit over the summer. I haven't done it at home. Delise has these little dessert dishes. And then we bought these. We buy these butter tarts up there. They're pretty good. So here's what I was doing. And the kids, Delise buys the kids these uh, these uh, cookies at the food land up there and they have little chocolate chips but big hunks of like toffee in them and it's just ridiculous the kids love them and i know why anyway i get into this habit of getting the dessert dish putting a butter tart in it okay then crumbling a cookie over that then taking a square of dark dark chocolate putting it on top of that in the microwave for about 40 seconds because that stuff heats up quickly. Oh, yeah. Sure it does. And then when I brought it out nice and warm, a <laughs> scoop of ice cream. <laughs> and so he's telling me this. And at first I was confused because I got the cookie and the square of dark chocolate mixed up. And I said, no, no, go, go back again. So layer one is the butter tart. Layer two yes. is the cookie 
with crumbled the cr- cookie, crumbled cookie. Yes. With some caramel and chocolate chips. Mm. Like <laughs> just that alone. Like most people would go, okay, butter tart, throw some ice cream on it. That makes sense. <laughs> but, uh, but he goes, I like the, what's that? Well, Dan, as a matter of fact, Dan, one night I was making it and I saw you and then you disappeared in the trailer. I was going to offer it to you, but you were gone. You came that close to having this, this treat. So let's go back. So it's, it, yeah. it's well, butter. Yeah. Tur- this is, this is the point about 20 minutes ago now where I was going to hit record. Cause I'm like, okay, I don't even believe that. So, so it's butter tart cookie. Yes. See, it sounds like the kind of thing, Dan, that I would do when I was super high. I'd be like, yeah. okay, I've got a great yeah, does, idea. Right, yeah. I've got a great idea. So butter tart cookie. Then that's when he said to me, and I, maybe I wasn't paying attention. He said, I'm going to, and then I put a piece of dark chocolate on him. <laughs> Pardon me? What? <laughs> now, this is, so he's layering it, and then he nukes it a little bit, and mm. then he throws ice cream on it. And I was like, God damn, that sounds great. <laughs> you know what else I got into? Which is bad. I love, I've told you many times, I think on the show, Kirkland unsalted mixed nuts. I just really enjoy them. But like a handful is like 300 calories. Oh, yeah. But you know what I was doing with those? I was putting them in a bowl and then reaching up into Delisa's baking uh, cupboard and grabbing the uh, chippets, uh, the oh, chocolate, yeah. chocolate chips that she uses <laughs> yeah. for baking, baking <laughs> and dumping some of those in and then mixing them around. And, and then you got on the scale and like, where did these extra 10 points? Where did the, wonder, because he said to me this one, because we both, I said to him, I did 16,000 steps on Saturday. I played golf and I'm still gaining weight. And he's like, he said, yeah, I've been moving a lot lately. I'm wondering, where does all these extra calories come from? Well, uh, you know, it's not rocket science. You know, the, the formula is move more, eat less. But the eating less is a greater part of that. It's, yeah, the, it's the greatest part of it. It's 80% yeah. of it. I mean, yeah. we've had this discussion now for years on the show because you and I have gained and lost weight. So I shared with so I Okay, so I had enough pork, jerk pork last night. Would have fed all three of us. Well, not, actually not. not a, but but two, two good portions. Ate it all. But here's what I do in, in terms of layering is I'll get a big bowl of like uh, this popcorn I get at Farm Boy. And it's got like, it says 40 calories. So I think, oh, I'm going to eat the whole bag, really. Because, you know, it's like that low-calorie popcorn, but it's got a cheese kind of vibe to it. Like a... You know they that coated is. it with some chemical. Yeah, sort of thing, some or? chemical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's, I like that cheesy flavor. And then <laughs> I take uh, Twizzlers, but they, like, oh. they, this, this, not the actual <laughs> Twizzlers themselves, but they got these little Twizzler right. candies that are small... Squared, it doesn't matter, but they're I know whole, what you mean. I yeah. know what you mean. Yeah. So I put those in the, the uh, popcorn. In the in the popcorn? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, put those, and I eat, because then you get the candy and you get the sweet and the salty at the same right. time. <laughs> the other thing that I did, again, I have nothing near layering this uh, butter tart thing that you do, the supreme butter tart. But another yeah. thing I've done is I've got these, and I usually use them for golf with their salted caramel cashews, to your point. A yeah. bag of them is 600 calories. And I well, will eat a bag of them whilst watching a televised program. Well, that's what sucks. Um, you know, you mentioned when you, do, you, know, you eat this stuff and then after the fact, if you notice what the calorie count is, you think, what did I just do? <laughs> but um, and you talk about that popcorn 40. You got to watch this. You know, said 40 calories. Sometimes it's deceiving. You look and you see 40 calories. Oh, but then it'll be like 
40 calories per 100 grams right and then Which the is bag basically is like in the bag is like 500 grams no 100 percent. yeah um and yeah. you and you were you said this sort of tied into something you'd seen about heart and strokes and heart attacks and well yeah it's the question was do you know the difference between i thought you would but i didn't know and the question was raised and people should know do you know the difference between cardiac arrest and a heart attack there's a difference. People seem to think it's, oh, you know, if a guy dies of a heart attack, oh, it was cardiac arrest. There's a difference between the two. Do you know? <laughs> well, I'd have to. If I was going to guess, I, I, I would say that a, a heart attack, a cardiac arrest is what was when your electrical system uh, is is the part that dis, is the dysfunction. That's when you have to get the paddles because your heart arrhythmia runs. Is that the one? Basically, yeah. yes. And then the heart attack is when you get a blocked artery and your heart can't pump anymore. The one, one is a cardiac arrest is when your heart starts running and it pumps too much or it, it goes too fast. No, no. Cardiac arrest is when your heart suddenly stops beating, just stops. Oh, That's so the other arrest, the so, arrest part. Oh, OK. So the heart attack is what? Well, what's what did heart I say? attack is blood blood flow. So the thing is, all of a sudden, your arteries, your your heart's not getting enough right. blood, so it's like, oh, oh, that's a heart attack. But when you drop dead, often your heart just suddenly, unexpectedly, unexpectedly oh, okay. stops, and you drop dead. So, so there's that's no, the difference. Uh, uh, yeah. There's no, uh, you know, I will for, say good the, for general, and you know, you should know the warning signs of each. But again, cardiac arrest, I mean, warning signs. Like, well, the yeah. warning sign is as you head, as yeah, your head hits the pavement. floor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, but, you know, as you eat butter tarts covered in crumbled cookie and ice cream, these are good things to know. Same wait, with stroke, you know, all wait, those wait. stroke symptoms. No, wait, 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 you missed one. Butter tarts covered in cookies and dark chocolate and ice cream. Yes, dark chocolate, yes. Uh, I gotta, that's, I gotta, that's the healthy gotta, part of it. Yeah. I've got a cure for the, the butter tart thing there, Fred. Yeah. Just get yourself involved as a judge for butter tarting. For all the yeah. butter tarts in the region. I've done this, and I have no passion for butter tart at all anymore. I get oh, you, really? Dan. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, but I, I, but I guarantee, you, if you were over here and we were all stoned up like monkeys, and I put a butter tart in the microwave with tart, you, you'd gobble her up. You would. Well, well I'd look at it first. I'd really think about it. Man, I don't you know, know how you do it. My grandmother used to right. make. My grandmother used to make butter tarts, and they were really good. And people would come from far and wide to eat her butter tarts, and I liked them. And I could eat those butter tarts just all on their own but these sort of ones you get in the grocery stores and everything i don't like them on their own but dressed up they're not bad <laughs> there's a place i've told you about i've mentioned it on the show a couple times just down the street for me called tartistry that has by far the best i, I brought i've brought them from somebody recently they're just mm-hmm. unbelievable uh next time I, I run up no you'll be on your little diet but as i was gonna say the next time i run up to drop a check off uh which by the way i have one for you hey let's start the show dan duran this episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studios in Toronto, from our well-equipped Brampton facility with a winterized pool, and from Lisa's dining room table in Peterborough. And is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, and welcoming back to great sponsors, Bodog and Kelsey's. And now, here are two men who are happy that there's a respite of warmer southern Ontario weather so they can get their long johns washed and dried before the cold returns. It's Humble and Fred. Thank you, Dan Duran. Thank you, Dan Duran. Uh, Ron Hawkins, lowest of the low, our guest today. 
as Humble and Fred conduct one of our classic, insightful rock star interviews. Um, just let's get to Dan. Don't go away. I have an announcement for you. Uh, but let's get to uh, a couple of our sponsors here because we are back to uh, getting close to capacity, and we've got to make sure we uh, acknowledge them. Yes, uh, the retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, a portfolio manager, Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, Tim will be by tomorrow uh, to ask a very, very uh, important question, a question that a lot of people like to avoid or just pretend they don't have to answer, but it's true. Will you outlive your retirement dollars? Many studies have shown that on average, Canadians will outlive their dollars by 10 years, females even longer. And then there's a few bullet points he put here that we'll uh, discuss tomorrow about exactly, you know, getting your act in order and making sure that uh, this money's going to last. If you're not going to have enough money through your entire retirement, I strongly suggest you eat butter tarts covered in crumbled cookie <laughs> That's right. and ice cream. And popcorn hey, and Twizzlers. At least you'll go out with a smile. Exactly. And don't forget popcorn and Twizzlers and caramel covered cashews. Yes, the Retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. And tomorrow is not the day that I was going to mention. Thursday is the day. That's right. Thursday is our email show. And that gives you a couple more days to uh, grab some emails to us. So you'll be eligible for the Palma Pasta $100 gift card. That we'll be giving away on Thursday, palmapasta.com. Over 38 years of delivering quality Italian food from fresh pasta to sauces and prepared take-home entrees. In fact, some of the emails we could read are from people that have actually been to Palma Pasta recently and had their minds blown. If you can't make it uh, to one of the four locations, one in Oakville, three in Mississauga, you can order online. Catering services available throughout the GTA. That's palmapasta.com. Just a couple quick announcements. Uh, speaking of food, I uh, Fred sent me the red cabbage recipe that Delise found. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was on Pinterest, and when you sent it to me, mm. just a couple quick things. At the end of the show, you sent it to me, and I, I forgot why you were sending it to me. To be honest with you, I was like, oh, this is the recipe. But you also sent it to me so I could put it on our Facebook page, which I eventually did, but at first I had to go through some Pinterest stuff anyway uh, so the uh, recipes there if you go to our facebook page right now you can see it as well you can see us see what we're wearing, wearing today dan you never seem to have well you never seem to have any issues at all but i am curious you never seem to have any issues with your weight how do you do it what's your secret well, I, I do fluctuate a little bit. I don't know. I just, uh, the, I pull back. I'm, I'm not a huge sweet fan as much as I used to be. I mean, I'll, I'll chow down on something sweet every once in a while, but generally I just don't have stuff around that, that I could eat uh, that uh, packs on the weight, like lots of sugary candy type things. Halloween's a bad time of the year, by the way, because you, you just walk by a bowl. And, yeah. Right. Well, I just have but, one but, of those. But day to day, like, where, like what, if you were to, like when you... When what what is there like you? Oh, I want to have something like a snack, like you get all high or something. Do you still get? Are you still get allowed to get high at the matrimonial home, or do you have to sneak around? No, it's fine. Whenever, whenever. but you know, I don't get that. I don't go crazy on. They never have recent in recent years. But you know what? I I I, it, I don't eat late. Generally speaking, I don't eat late. There's a few chips after you know, kind of early evening, but I don't. I won't go. Uh, 
later into the evening, like nine or ten or something mm-hmm. like that, and start eating anything. I guess, <laughs> I t- like well, my, that's funny you mentioned that because last night I didn't get home from this class till eight o'clock, and so I sat down and had this entire feast of jerk pork between eight and I don't know. I ate it pretty fast. So I was done by eight thirty. And then we you just know, started another popcorn. Then no, I didn't do popcorn last night. Last night I did spits. Oh, and I had a, uh, a popsicle. No, no, yeah, it's like a popsicle type of thing. You know that term we've talked about. It. You've mentioned it recently. That storm eating. Yeah. My observations of Dan. He doesn't get into that. Dan has pretty good self. Uh, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, control. Self control. Um, Discipline. Self-discipline when it comes to that. I've noticed eating with Dan. Dan will just have a decent plate of food, and then when it's done, push it forward and not be, you know, crawling over other people to get seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, that type of thing. And it adds up if you're, listen to me, like I know. But, you know, if if you stay, the times when I lose weight, day to day you're conscious of what you're doing and you lose weight. It's just when that sort of flitters away that you lose I never lose it. I, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. Awareness is a great saying. Awareness is curative. And when it comes to eating, awareness is curative because of what you said. You're not doing it. You're doing things consciously. But I am a consciously aware when I get into these storm eating sessions. I know that I'm going from dinner to spits to a popsicle. Sometimes I'll go back to a salami because I get this kind of salty, sweet thing. I don't even smoke weed anymore. I was thinking about that the other night. Like, what what, would what would I be like right now if I was still smoking weed? Because these anyway, it does. It turns out it's not because of the weed. It's because I have this behavioral issue. But I remember you, Dan. See, you don't remember. I remember a young Dan Duran, and I've said this about you. I never saw anyone in my life that could drink more. Like, I've been around a lot of big drinkers. When you put your mind to it, you could, as a younger man, drink a lot. But I could also remember you eating a lot as well. Well, yeah, I used to, but I did put on some weight. I probably, in, at this point in my life, I'm a little bit uh, lighter than I, than I was in those years. So, well, you are close to 90 that. for crying out loud. How much, you know, you're <laughs> <laughs> Fred, if you were, if you were, uh, uh, at the fridge and did your whole, uh, butter tart experience there and you mm-hmm. saw that there was a can of whipped cream in there, uh, would you <laughs> spray that on top? Sure. Who knows? Why not? But see, we never buy yeah. the canned whipped cream. Delise gets the, uh, you know, the 35% cream and we put it in a Tupperware and shake it till it's of a, it's a looser consistency, but so delicious. I mean, that's really dangerous as well. But um, anyway, it's uh, as I say, you know, in the past week, I've lost almost just being mindful of what I'm doing now and cutting back and going through this exercise again. I've lost almost three pounds. But, you know, the key is to get on that scale every day. And I tell myself that once every couple of years and I don't. <laughs> Uh, just quickly, a sh- uh, shout out, as the kids say, to Rick Botello, who sent me uh, sent us a note to Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com and said, hey, Fred, where's the recipe? And I wrote him back this morning at 5.52 because I, I woke up early and I said, hey, it's my fault. Uh, Fred did send me the recipe, but I've forgotten. Anyway, so it's up on the uh, Facebook page. Uh, quick, uh, re- not a reminder, quick... Um, uh, whatever to you two, uh, that uh, 29 years ago today, uh, Fred came to visit me in the hospital as uh, the birth of uh, oh, my first wow. child, right. mm-hmm. Charles Michelle Glassman. Yes. Uh, the first person I told 
that we were having a kid is also here, Dan Duran. I remember uh, coming back from, I guess we were still in Brampton. Yeah. So I was driving back from Brampton. I finally, I, was, I must have had a car phone at the time. That's what we called them. And I remember Dan picking up and saying, hey, Dan, uh, you're going to, that's how I, how I told Dan that we were having a kid, Randy and I. Randy's a woman, by the way. <laughs> if you're new to the show. Yeah, I called Dan Duran and said, hey, Dan, Randy and I. Actually, I said, Dan, you're going to be a godfather is how I told Dan that we were having a child. 29 years ago. Wow. So Charlie's 29 today. Oh. And uh, I'm going to see her. I saw her on the weekend. She was here for uh, Friday, Saturday. It was kind of fun having the kids in the house. And then uh, we're going out for dinner tonight in some fancy Toronto restaurant. And uh, I got her a little present. Um, she doesn't listen to the show, so I'll tell you what I got her. I, um, you know that picture? I, 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 I think I sent it to both of you. It's a picture of her right as she finished the race. And she's yes, leaning fantastic. over. Okay, it was one of those things, Dan. It was a very Dan Duran-esque picture. Did I send it to you? I don't think you did. I'm going to send it to you when, when this is over. Because okay. I, what I did is I, I videoed Charlie for the last you know few hundred meters as she was finishing the race. And then, so she crossed the finish line. I got that on video. And then I just took a, about five or six or seven shots really, really quickly as she was walking. Sort of, And then there was a shot I didn't even know I had taken where uh, she's slumped over, like this point of total exhaustion. And it's just a really cool photo, Dan. It's got a little bit of the, the great... The, and anyway, you'll see it. It's very Dan Durant esque And I had it blown up. So it's like a poster size. So I'm giving her that today for her birthday. You know, the here, myth, whatever you want to talk about it, but I used to think this. When my kids were young, I thought, oh, you know, when they're adults, they'll have a lot less to worry about. They won't be on your mind as much. You won't be concerned with mm-hmm. their day-to-day lives. That's such bullshit. Oh, yeah. They're always your You notice yeah. that? They're <laughs> always your kids. I mean, my daughter's in her 40s. Danny's in his 30s. They're still your kids. You're, and a lot of it unfounded. You know what I mean? You're just always worried for them. You know? Constantly. How's the world going to treat them? You know, well, I, I mean, I live with one of my kids and uh, here, Dan, I just sent it to you on WhatsApp. I live with one of my kids and, and, you know, and through this whole marathon training process, I was on the phone with Charlie several times a week, you know, updates and, you know, she would call me and I'd find out how she's doing. And there were moments where she'd be very upset. And, you know, I, and, and that is a great point. You think at some point I'm 60, soon to be 64. You never stop being a parent. But you'd think, I, I know one thing, the three of us for sure. My dad was nowhere near involved with my life. No. At all. From the time I, first of all, forget when I, before I left home, he was never that involved. Like, not like we are, but certainly not after I left home. And wait till you have grandkids. Because, you know, again, I'm always harping on social media and too much information. You know, all the concept that you hear now about bullying, online bullying, bullying in the schoolyards. I mean, bullying took a place when I was a kid, but you were just a prick, right? If you were a bully, like it didn't get the attention that it does now. And now when I have grandkids, it's like, are my grandkids going to be bullied? Are they going to be all right in the schoolyard? Is somebody going to bully them online? Mm -hmm. It's like, Jesus Christ. 
It's like it never ends. Yeah, I know. I went through that with uh, Charlie when she got to grade nine, as I've said on many occasions. Like the difference between bullying when we were kids is if we weren't yeah. invited to something, you didn't really know about it till way after the fact. Maybe yes. you know. Yes. But in in this day and age, and mm. certainly mm. Colton and you know your grandkids era. Uh, if you don't get invited to something, you see that in real time. You see pictures from the party that night. Yep. Yep. Anyway, what'd you think of the picture there, Dan? That is really cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah. The expression. I mean, it just, it, it's, it emotes the, the after race exhaustion. There. Yeah. She just slumped over, but also what isn't he? Cause what, what it is, is they have these grates like they're, it's, it's, it's meshed off. So I couldn't, I mm-hmm. couldn't get a completely clear shot. So I was getting shots of her through a little bit of that great and you can see it there and i left that in because it's just kind of a neat it's very evocative it's a gray day uh anyway so she's 29 today um speaking happy of happy birthday charles mm-hmm. well i'll let her know that you said that yeah she's a sweetheart well both your kids you've done a good job yeah, as well absolutely uh speaking of age the the world's oldest dog died recently Mm-hmm. At 31 years, 165 days, and his name was Bubby. He grew up uh, and lived in uh, Portugal. Small dog? Medium size, sort of a little bigger than Stan, like a, like a smaller version of Clifford. Not the same breed, but, uh, you know, somewhere between Clifford and, and, and uh, Dan, Stan. Um, 31 years. Uh, he never experienced any trouble until later in life. And there's a great little picture of here of him in the story. This sweet little doggy breaks. He broke the world's record. And uh, the first thing I thought, I don't know about you guys, when I said the dog died at 31 years, 165 days, I guarantee the owners were like, nah, it's, it's too soon for Bobby. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, yeah, I guarantee they're like, oh, Bobby, <clears throat> Bobby's gone. Fucking Bobby. That, mm-hmm. that dog has been around longer than my than my kids. Thirty one yeah. years, thirty one and a half years old. Wow! I thought the that Max was a breath. Oh fuck! Oh yeah. oh yeah. What's that, Dan? You thought the one? I thought the record was around twenty three. Uh, I think somewhere in the article there is uh, the the record that he broke. My what did you say the breed was? Um, it's a. Uh, it didn't say the breed. Uh, oh, okay. I should. I should have that. Um, he, he, he lived eleven thousand. And it's funny. Even I just read this in the article. Uh, eleven thousand four hundred seventy-eight days. And despite that, those who loved him, it wouldn't be enough. Said uh, you know the people yeah. that loved him. Obviously, what a great life too. Because dogs, of course, live in the moment. Something we should all strive to do. And uh, you know, th- hey. You know, a dog's life is wonderful with the right owners. So 31 years, what a run, man. Yeah, and you know, my, no- nep- my nephew has a couple of chihuahuas. They're close to 20, I believe. Those things go on forever, too. You know, I'm, I'm reading this article now because I thought I should have the breed. It doesn't actually say. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it's, a, it's sort of, um, you know, he's kind of a regular dog. He's like a, he's like a I don't even know what he would look like, a small lab of some kind. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. No one ever says that about a dog. You know, you never, you think, oh, oh, it's a good thing that fucker's gone. You know, no no one ever, Mm -hmm. no one, no one's ever happy a dog's gone. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But there's lots of people that you sort of wish, like they, when they die, you'd be like, oh, fuck, thank goodness. Thank goodness they're gone. <laughs> uh, anyway, the uh, world's oldest dog is dead. Um, and uh, one last little story about uh, numbers, fellas. You may have seen this story that some guy in uh, Woodstock, Ontario, my age, had waited his entire golf life to get a hole in one and then got two of them in one fucking round. <laughs> two. Two. <laughs> that story to me is almost unbelievable, but obviously it's got to be true. One there would have been witness. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. one, like, have you ever heard of that before, ever? Well, the reason you haven't is because the odds of it happening are one in 67 million. Guy's wow. name is John Payne of Woodstock, Ontario, and the story starts, I've waited, he waited 62 years to make his first career hole-in-one. It took him less than a half hour to make his second. Yeah, man. How does that make you feel? Can huh? you imagine? <laughs> How does it make me feel? Yeah. I'm pissed off. <laughs> like, one of those holes-in-one, that could have been mine. Was it at a course you golfed at? No, it's somewhere in London, Ontario. I, I don't recognize the name of the course. Oh. But, uh, yeah, he was with a bunch of people, and it's the Sally Creek Golf Club in Woodstock, Ontario. One in 67 million. Isn't 67 million, uh, is that the number of swings? or? I, or I don't know. I guess one, I don't know the actual. Tee-offs? Yeah, I, I guess, guess one in 67 million whatevers of actually happening. Yeah. Right. So there you go. Can you imagine that, though, the second one? It's going to go in. What? No, it's going. It's going. Holy cow. I've come closer this summer than I ever have. And I'm not to ever have. I've come closer this summer than I have in years of it actually happening. And where a couple of times, you know, sort of hold your breath for a second, like that might go in. And it's ended up like a foot past the hole. But uh, it so far has not happened to. I don't, and by the way, I don't know what the, it's, the odds are. That's a good question. One in 167 million opportunities. Did you say one in 167 one, no, million? No, one in 67 million. Uh, and to me, which seems pretty slim, I would think it would be more than that, actually. Well, that's quite a bit. That's quite a bit. Rounds of golf. <laughs> oh, no, I know. I know. But just think of all the rounds of golf all over. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, but how I would they, say it's not in it's not in rounds of golf. It's in that again. Yeah, how do they determine that? It, yeah, the odds of it happening are one in sixty seven million events of some kind. Oh, okay. See, neither of them, Dan, neither of us are smart enough to answer that. Yeah, question. well, maybe it's t- it's probably tee offs. So, how many tee offs have you think you've done? Oh, on the individual, I see. Okay, yeah, I guess, yeah. How many are you? I, well, that maybe that's it. Maybe it's in one in 167 million opportunities of an individual doing it. Yes. That, now, that would make sense. Yes. To and me. to answer your question, Dan, I don't know. I started playing when I was 11 years old. And I've taken two different 10-year gaps of golf. So, what is that? 53 years of golf. But I've probably, in that 53 years, played 35 years. So, I don't know. Thousands and thousands of opportunities. There's usually four par fours, four four par threes on a, a, an average golf course. So this summer, I would have played. I would have had 400 opportunities 
So I have a lot. (laughs) That's my problem. I'm not playing enough. (laughs) I I need to get to 67 million. That's funny. And the thing about golf, it's like, yeah, you were within a foot, but it might as well be a mile, right? Like there's at the end, at the end of the day, it's in or not. It's it'll happen, Howie. It'll happen. I don't know, man. Like I've had a uh, hole out from uh, from the fairway on a par four, which is also like I mean I hold out from 145 yards on a par four for a two, which is would be like a par three. And that's about the average length, let's say. So that's happened to me. I've chipped in from off the green a bunch of times. The yeah, even I've done that. Um, but the thing is, when you're taking your second shot in a par four, no part of you is thinking, oh, I'm going to put this in the hole. Any par three, any guy is sitting there in their mind. I wonder if I could ever get a hole in one. Like, it's actually in your work. Even mine. Yeah. Like, some f- freaky, you know, uh, uh, turn of events where it, you know, because you've heard that. People that have just golfed, like, the first year and they suck, but somehow they just hit the ball correctly on a par three and it goes in the hole. Um when you're on a par three, like it's in your world that you're thinking, well, I wonder if I could drain this. But the second shot in a par four, what you wouldn't even be thinking that, would you? No, not really. You're just yeah. trying to get it close. Yeah. And it hasn't happened to me very often, but I've probably done it, you know, more than a couple, less than 10 yeah. times. But yeah. in, on, I don't, just to wrap this up, when I'm on a par three, as I will be on today, because it's going to be like 20 mm-hmm. degrees here. I don't really think about it. If I hit it close, I think, well, you know, maybe this, maybe that could have been the time, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Dan, I, I get it. Yeah. Even like when, when I'm going to say, even you like the, the ch- I, I don't know if the chances are the same, but the, the op- the, there, there's an odds thing going on there. Like where even someone that didn't play very often, somebody who was much smarter than us would be able to figure this out. If you're, are my odds better? Cause I play more. Are my odds better because I'm a decent golfer, or are the odds just the odds in this event happening? See what you see what you've sparked. <laughs> you better get on your uh, your uh, tee off hole in one stats. Get a handle so you know what you're you're up against, really, because you're wandering in a <laughs> you're wandering in the dark, not knowing the actual <laughs> odds. I don't know the odds. <laughs> um, will you be uh, available to us for a, uh, a chit chat after we're done uh, with? Uh, Ron yes, Hawkins absolutely. of Lois of the Low. I'll be back. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, that would be great. Uh, Dan Duran's news today will feature all kinds of things. Um, I, I don't This song yeah. has been in my... I don't, I'm really just... Which one? Well, I'm trying to play it, but for some reason it won't play. Why Do you want it? me to talk more odds now? Yeah. Well, you, that would be a great idea. What is going on here? Hey, Bow Dog. Well, Bow Dog. What, yeah, huh? go ahead. For some reason, again, what? this has happened a couple days in a row where my uh, right. Spotify is. Well, let's talk about the odds at Bow Dog. Perfect. Yeah, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Uh, you're up and down Maple Leafs tonight in Washington. Uh, the Leafs favored by a puck and a half. Okay, minus 175. On the Leafs win, okay? Over under 6.5. Those are the numbers from your Leafers tonight from Bodog. 
you know, uh, I, that was great, by the way. I'm, and here I am struggling to get some music. I don't know what's going on with this. It's, uh, I got to ask Dan off the air because this keeps happening. I, for some, and I, I have played something off Spotify already today, and then all of a sudden it's just gone away. Hmm. And I was going to play while you were talking about the odds. Hmm. I had the odds lined up. My brain. Yes, dude. Mm. I love that song. Heterosexual man's a great one. It is a great song. From the odds. Oh, yeah. How do you not like that? There we go. For me, the odds, spirit of the West, lowest of low, fair naked ladies. I could go on with the whole, like there's a whole bunch of Canadian artists. Oh, yeah. Even the, who are those dudes? Those other guys from Vancouver. Um, Nickelback? No, I was thinking of somebody else. I'll get to it. Uh, there's a whole bunch of Canadian artists that, for me, really represent that time in our lives at CFNY, the edge. Oh, yeah. More the edge than CFNY, because I only came in at the end of the spirit of radio. While you listen to this, let me tell you about a, another number, which is Kelsey's. Hello, hockey fans. Did you know that uh, Kelsey's has been winging it since 1978? Try their legendary chicken wings for half-price wings every Thursday. That's a couple days from now. Sauced and styled how you like them. And why not wash them down with a $6 Coors? That's right. What are you waiting for? Grab your buds and head to Kelsey's this wing night and celebrate the start of the weekend the right way. This offer is valid with the purchase of a beverage. Must be of legal drinking age. Please drink responsibly. Kelsey's uh, loves celebrating, and we're going to be celebrating with them. We'll have an, uh, sometime in the next uh, few days, we'll have a number for you of the actual Humble and Fred Gift of Christmas 2023, the first time we're doing this in a few years. But if you're looking to ho- and, and it's going to be at a Kelsey's, that's my point. If you're looking to host your holiday party, you can book on Kelsey's.ca. And save 10% per guest. Also, if you book your party before November 15th, you could win a $500 gift card. Visit kelseys.ca for more info. And if uh, you enjoy Kelsey's experience, let the fellas know. Send us a picture or two. We would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the band I was thinking of, another Vancouver band that I used to really love is the, the Paolas. Now, I'm not sure if... Did we play those at the edge? Probably not. Who? Paolas? Yeah. Eyes of a Stranger? Did we play that there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. I would say. Um, Definitely. Yeah, I really like them. But it's sort of, again, um, all those bands I mentioned, and of course, Lowest of the Low. Ron Hawkins is coming up here in a few minutes' time. We're going to talk to him about what the Lowest of the Low are doing these days. And uh, there's an interesting CFNY connection that I'm going to ask Ron about that I did not know until I was doing some research this morning uh, about our connection with that band. Anyway, uh, right. I I love that this other song. band that we had in a couple of times. What was their name? And they had that great song called Weightless. Um, oh, yeah. We played them. Uh, we had them on our podcast a couple of times. Uh, they uh, joined us. Yeah, we had them at a couple of Christmas parties. 
Who's that band? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Howie, I'm just trying to figure that out. Um, isn't that awful? Hmm. Um, C-Spot Run. C-Spot Run, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, C-Spot Run. Well, they came in. They came in a few times, at least once. Well, here it is. This is such a great song. It really is. It's uh, on my playlist. They came in at least once, if not twice, after we started our podcast and may have even performed this. Let me tell Mr. Uh, Ron Hawkins just to hang on a second here. Message. Stand by. Yeah, this was definitely a Humble and Fred Edge 102 staple. I know it's not always a party. Even with a guy like me who's always in outer space. Maybe I don't know what's good for me. And you mentioned... Uh, Lowest of the low puts you in a place where you kind of get nostalgic. And, and for me, there's all those bands I mentioned, also Spirit of the West. And uh, yeah, this one definitely puts me back to the early 90s. <laughs> nice fellas. Yeah. Nice fellas in this band. Really nice guys. Like nice fellas. Yeah, I know. I was just laughing because it takes me back to the early 90s where we weren't having conversations about how much fucking weight we were gaining. <laughs> we didn't. I don't recall. Although I really wish we... Uh, I wish I'd have known about your triple uh, butter tart concoction when I was smoking weed because that would be good. Yeah, I'm just wondering how many people are going to try it. No, who isn't going to try it? Oh, you've got to. You've You've got got to try it. I might try it before I start losing weight. That's a lot. Let's get Ron Hawkins in here. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm. There he is. Hey. Hey. How's it going? Good. How's about you? Good. It's early, guys. Is it? I know you know that, but... Yeah, we do. You know, um... Really excited. You know, normally we have a big lead up and I do this whole introduction of people and, uh, you know, I'm getting old, Ron. I just want to say, hey, it's great to have Ron Hawkins with us. Look at you. You look great, man. How you doing? Thanks. I'm good. And some people, you have some people like me on who need no introduction, right? You don't need, well, certainly on this program, you don't need an introduction. I mean, I could do all the, you know, I could say, hey, everybody, please welcome back to our program. One of the truly greats of Canadian music, a poet, an inspiring uh, musician. Although I gotta tell you, you know, I always, every so often I gotta start over the years when I heard uh, certain Ron Hawkins stories. And last year I thought you died, but again it was the other one, right? It was yes, uh, it was like oh yeah, you know he, you know it was his turn to die. Not That's yours. right, not yours, Ron. That's been happening since the '90s, though. A friend of mine was at an office party. And somebody said oh, to him, "What do you? So what are you doing?" He said, "Oh, I play I play drums with Ron Hawkins and Ron Hawkins of the Rusty Nails." And the person said, uh, "Oh, I thought that guy died." He said, "No, no, you're thinking about Ronnie Hawkins." And he goes, "No, no, Ron Hawkins from Lowest to the Low. I thought he died." And did they, <laughs> so did your friend great. argue? No, no. Here, let's call him now. Um, yeah, we should check check in on him. You know, we uh, we'd been talking recently. I guess last week when we mentioned that you were coming on the show and. Fred and I were talking about bands. I just mentioned a few before you came on about just bands that sort of put us in a, 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 a bit of a nostalgic thing in terms of our careers, where we were, what we were playing at the time, you know, and our, our show started in 1989, but the early nineties were, you know, really a big, 
uh, as our show was developing, a lot of Canadian bands were on our program, yourselves and Spirit of the West and others. Um, what are your memories of the radio station, CFNY at the time? And I want, to, I want your answer, but also I, I learned something about the connection between the radio station and your band that I didn't know. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I really feel like we wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't for, you know, CFNY at the time, now The Edge. Um, I, I always say that there was a little window for indie musicians in Canada, but in Toronto for sure, between about about then, 89, 90, until about, I would say, 95 or something. And there was a door that opened that a lot of us ran through, Bare Naked Ladies, us, uh, you know, all, all the people that were around at that time. And then I saw that door kind of close again, back to sort of cro- corporate programming and, and uh, playlist programming and stuff like that. But they had people like Bookie and... Um, Alan Cross and people like that, that were really, uh, you know, I guess they saw us and, and there was a chance there for people like Bookie to play us on the drive show and stuff like that. And, uh, it was completely indispensable to us. Well, what I didn't realize, because I, our, you know, our, our history, the show's history with the Bare Naked Ladies, very tight. And they were, they never forgot that, you know, our radio station, gave them the $100,000 uh, discovery to disc amount and they went off and produced, took that money and produced Gordon. But it says here in uh, this research that I did that you submitted your songs to the uh, discovery to disc contest. Did you win it? No, we didn't. There's a funny story there, which is that we, uh, for months uh, we were up for it. And uh, for months we were being told everywhere we went, including people like it, at the edge and stuff that were sort of saying, you guys are a shoe and you guys are going to win this. You guys are going to win this. And we kept saying, you know, like don't jinx it or, you know, we're not superstitious guys, but mm-hmm. you know, let, it's, let's just let the process roll out. And then because we were, you know, young rap scallions, we, uh, uh, the CBC let us into their wardrobe department. We wore these kind of like shiny, uh, Bobby Bittman kind of tuxes, you know, flashy pink and this and that. And we had a plan where if we didn't win, we were going to make this kind of, piece of political theater and stand up at Roy Thompson Hall and storm out and make a scene because we thought that was funny. And the only people that stopped us at the time were like our girlfriends and everything were like, you know, you do a lot, you guys do a lot of this stuff that you think is funny, internally, <laughs> yeah. but probably wouldn't translate. And so what happens is we got there and we didn't win and had one. And those guys were so cool. And it speaks volumes about the uh, indie scene in Toronto at the time is that uh, I can't remember if it was Brendan or Noah. Somebody from Head came up to me in the hallway afterward and said, "Hey, man, like we're shocked. We, there, everybody thought you guys were going to win, and if you guys went out and like bought a van or something because you thought you were going to win, like we would lend you the money, like interest free or wow. whatever." Yeah, totally amazing, right? And uh, and you know we weren't like we weren't disappointed. We were quite happy for Head to win it. It was like it was just that whole. Uh, it was a very surreal few months to be mm-hmm. stopped on the street literally by people going oh you guys are going to win this money <laughs> you know an aspect of cfny the edge which was interesting was you know as an alternative station you know that sort of limited mass appeal in this in the city as far as radio goes but at the same time we had a wealth of canadian talent to tap into that the other stations didn't or wouldn't which mm-hmm. really worked to our benefit. And obviously you're an example in several other bands. Well, and the reach went to, you know, like we're, we have like a lot of my friends and family say, you know, you could be the mayor of Buffalo because mm-hmm. the reach went to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we, we go over the border and it's things like we're getting like 
free private guided tours to the Frank Lloyd Wright House or the Albright Knox <laughs> Museum. And I keep turning to guys in the band going, I, I think they're confusing us with somebody else. But like the, the people who had the Frank Lloyd Wright tour just before us were the Rolling Stones. <laughs> so it's oh, like, really? well, yeah, you know, so Ron, we, we and we Fred and I did our morning show several times in Buffalo once a year because the radio station had such a reach into that market. In fact, you know, we if, if things had been more sophisticated, we always thought we had, we were one of the top radio stations, period, in that market, if they could have been rated. But back to yeah. the, uh, back, back to that time, and, and what Fred said is, is really true of, of CFNY, The Edge, in general. I always thought that because of the type of Canadian talent that was playing independent alternative music at the time, that we definitely had the best CanCon of all the formats, yet some of those other formats never sort of caught up until much later, where you now the Bare Naked Ladies are ubiquitous, they're everywhere. I mean, some of those bands that we were, on, we were the only ones playing, had, mm-hmm. do, do you feel like... Lowest of the low has kind of crossed over a little bit more. Did you, was there a point where you started hearing your stuff on more mainstream radio stations? No, I think, I feel like we are, uh, we were built for the edge and then all of our ships kind of went down together in terms of, I mean, obviously there's still an edge, but uh, just that world. I, I think, as I say, I think a little door opened because there were uh, people who were thinking about, art and not so much thinking about advertising and um you know now it just seems to me and of course it's not just terrestrial radio but it's like the internet uh it's all about like and i hate to i'm doing air quotes right now but uh, content providing or you know anybody ever says to me you know you you make content uh, you know, I just want to punch because it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's well, horrible, for me, for me, it's when people talk about uh, they're on a journey. I just, I, I just wish their journey took them away from me. Yeah, exactly. How fast can your journey? <laughs> That's right. Can your journey end with this conversation? <laughs> and in the early days, obviously, if you produced a song, you just couldn't put it online as bands can do today. Well, what about young Canadian artists today? Are they at an advantage or is the corporate taken over again to an extent, you know, as far as radio airplay, where they're not getting the opportunity maybe that you did. Where where would a young Canadian band be today? Yeah, I think it's one of those. Uh, I think there's two sides of it is that there's the corporate end of it, which is a problem. You know, the capitalist part of it, which wants to take all art and turn it into advertising or commerce or commodities or content or whatever. There's the other side, which is I always joke about how I railed against the five or six gatekeepers back in the nineties and someday, you know, a cold rain is going to come and sweep the streets clean and we're going to have democracy, you mm-hmm. know, and then the internet came and we got democracy. And now we have another problem, which is that there's a, a massive white noise that again, some young band in their early twenties has to find a way like everyone else to cut through that white noise. Right. And part of that is turning yourself into a brand, which is, you know, that's the thing. I think that we fought as a band even before there was things as a brand. And now it's even worse, which is that you're expected to kind of make content. And, uh, you know, if you're an actual artist and you want to make something that's impactful and that's going to last for a while, uh, you're fighting a lot of the attention economy where people can only pay attention for you know, so back to that window of, uh, that you're talking about, the discovery to disc days, you know, that really was, you know, and Fred will be able to talk about this a little bit because you were a program director. But um, for a long time, FM regulations, 
had part as part of their promise of performance, certainly the edge and CFNY's POP, that's where that money came from. And the reason it stopped wasn't just because of Alan and, and Dave Bookman not wanting to promote artists anymore, but think about it corporately. As soon as that company could stop giving out a hundred grand every year, they did. So that, that, that something in the POP changed, which is why they stopped doing that. Oh yeah. I would never lay, lay it at the feet of anybody at the station itself. I think it was just a, I think it's a societal switch mm-hmm. to, you know, it's, it's not unlike, you know, for face, Facebook for a while seemed to be an open, we, we used to have an open ability to, to promote to people who were quote our friends, you know? Right. And it mm-hmm. was good, good for, it was, you know, it was just a, it was postering on street posts writ large, you know, like to, and you could do that. And now it seems like everyone I know is talking about like something is going on under the hood where you can't just post something now and it gets somewhere. It's like, they're encouraging you to, to pay for advertising. Uh, and if you don't, then the posts you used to make that would have a far reach are now sort of like squeezed and they don't seem to reach as far. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's, you know, I think that happens in every industry. And so I think the people like, you know, you guys and Alan and, and Bookie and all of us artists on on the radio and on labels and stuff like that, we just once again have to roll and be creative and find another way to do what we did because we're not going to stop doing it. No. Clearly, here we are talking. Well, and 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 Ron, you you know, I know you you know you've been on uh, Toronto Mike's program. We just finished our twelfth year of doing a podcast. Like we, mm-hmm. th- we're, this is the second week, <clears throat> excuse me, of our thirteenth year. Everyone that we grew up in this market with, all the other morning shows when we started, they've all retired. You know, yeah. our our reinvention of ourselves was basically out of necessity, and which brings me to the question I'm going to get to reinventing lowest of the low against uh you know the new paradigm of how content is disseminated is it really just the live experience no not really and i think i think what we benefit from and is what you guys have benefited from and why you can have a 12-year podcast is because we are five people with soul trying to make something real for people and we've built a community that is interested in that and that community is very voraciously loyal to us. And, uh, you know, so we have an awful lot of people who have, you know, we, we've done six shows across Ontario. And I see those faces at all of the shows mm-hmm. because they just drive around to see it. Because I think, you know, not to toot our own horn, but I, th- I think that's it's rare. It's rare to get an experience like that where the, the people who are making the art actually also care about something more than the art. Something, you know, building a community around it. And, you know, we we are silly enough and naive enough to say that we kind of want still want to change the world with our music. But we, you know, and that maybe have has grown from not so much the globe per se, but like the community that we still know, you know, we'll, we bring it home. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. the people we want to build a future we could live in with. And it's getting, you know, I'll admit it's getting harder and harder because, uh, again, part of it is that we're all being trained to just have completely low attention spans right. to move on to the next thing and to be sedated by whatever comes along. So that's a big you know, part of what our new record is about is just the, uh, the fighting against that kind of sedation. Right. And the, the world has changed in so many ways. Welcome to the plunder dome. 
is your latest album out now. Now, I see you're associated with Warner Music. Like, how has that changed? You released this album 30 years ago. You're tied to Warner Music. How has that changed? Like, so much of the stuff you wanted out there online and everything. Where do record, where do record companies fit in now? Like, why are you associated with a record company? This is a totally... Yeah. I asked that question from total ignorance because I haven't kept up with how this works now. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a funny little journey. Uh, which is that we, you know, we were we were only on we danced with Universal in the early '90s for our second record for Lucigenia, but then other than that, we've never been on a major label. And when we, uh, I guess we around 2017 or something, Steve Kane approached us at at uh, Warner, and George Strombolopoulos uh, famously refers to him as the last punk rock president, and I think that's partially why he approached us was he said, you know, it's time for a Los of the Low box set. And of course, we were all we all kind of like clutched our pearls and said, "Oh my God, a box set! Like, what are we? Is somebody die or you know? Like, is it, is it over, <laughs> why, did, you know? why did that sound? Let me ask you: Why the box set sounded too pretentious for lows to the low? Or no, not even really pretentious. But I sort of thought, you know, again with this new record. But but for the last four or five years, we've been firing on all cylinders and really just looking into the future and continuing to work. So it sort of felt a little bit like. Like we won a, a lifetime achievement award in about two thousand uh, from the edge, right? Lifetime achievement award, and I <laughs> wow. was like, "Oh my god, what is what? What does that mean now?" Like I get a gold mm-hmm. watch and I go. <laughs> Sorry, that's a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, so it felt like that a bit. But then we talked to, and you know, and we were all as as uh, reluctant as we usually are with major labels. But we approached and had a meeting with Steve, and it was like Steve is is so real, and he's so our kind of guy. In fact, I wrote a a little piece. He said, you know, can you write something that we can post that talks about you guys coming to Warner and doing this box set? And so I wrote this thing as a joke that said, you know, after 30 years of bloody warfare, uh, Warner Canada has surrendered, unconditionally <laughs> surrendered to most of the low. And I thought, well, he'll, th- he'll get a laugh out of that. Then I'll write the real thing we're going to use. But because he's Steve Kane, he went, this is amazing. This is perfect, right? And I thought, well, here you go. That's our home, right? Somebody in the industry who gets it and... Right. and uh, so we so we made the box set just thinking we would probably make the box set, but then they they optioned us for another record, and we made a record called Agipop, uh, which was a double record gatefold, beautiful thing. And again, only Steve I think would let us do that. So we were there, and then um, and then there was a you know Steve retired, and there was a changing of the guard, and the new president was you know a young woman, and all the guys in the band were like, well the first guys to go are going to be the white middle aged dudes i mean and for you know i get it for for real reasons nowadays whatever and we got that phone call uh from from our uh, rep at warner and he was so sheepish to tell me and i was like look dude i we totally get it and we and it's no problem at all and we will move on and he was like yeah you guys got to come up to the factory and get uh, your records and stuff like that we're like okay cool and within maybe two months we started working with brian heatherman at sonic envy who's got an indie label sonic envy and they're distributed by Warner. So I got to call them back, our rep back and go, we're back. Yeah, that's great. Excellent. Uh, you know, yeah. and I want to kind of get back to uh, when I said, because uh, I said something about the world is uh, about performing live now. And then you say you're firing on all cylinders. And then you mentioned this community that you have. And it's kind of mm-hmm. what we build here. We have a, you know, this is, I've often said, this isn't the biggest audience we've ever had, but it's the best audience we've ever had because our, our, our line to them is direct. There's no mm-hmm. program directors. There's no salespeople. It's just us and them. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about, your community of lowest of the low fans. 
But back to the idea of playing live when they follow you around, is that something the band... No, I'm going to ask, ask a stupid question. Is that, that's kind of how you make your living, is it not? Yeah. I mean, I, I think what you'll find is everybody who's still standing uh, has a side hustle and has become very good at divesting their energy. For me, it's like, you know, lowest of the low. I also do solo shows. I also am a visual artist, so I, so I paint and I sell paintings. So you'll find like everybody's got a piece of a bunch of things. Right. Hopefully they're all still kind of in the art world or in the, in the communicating world, you know, the place that they love and, and are good at. Um, and the cool thing about having, like you said, maybe not the biggest, but the best audience is that for us, it almost feels like full circle that we've come back to 1991 where our first audience that picked us up by word of mouth and stuff like that were like all the freaks and the leftists and the, you know, people that just, we know we gathered and they were kind of our tribe and then the double-edged sword of of having some singles go big on on the edge was like suddenly like everybody we were like where did all these frat boys come from (laughs) baseball caps you know like are they listening to what we're saying like they like this stuff or Mm -hmm. so some of that has has dissipated and we're we're kind of back to that almost like that original freaks and geeks audience that we had so let's talk they seem to be the real ones, you know, the ones that hang. So uh, Fred mentioned the, the new record, and I'm going to play uh, the single that we have here. And in, in the notes, it says, not since the early days of low uh, 1.0, says Ron Hawkins. Um, has the band felt so tight as a unit, all cylinders firing in the same direction? And I picked that out for a couple of reasons. Like Fred and I finished a show yesterday and, uh, you know, Fred mentioned because I, I did something with a technical issue and I fucked it up. And uh, I had to go to get it from another backup source. And Fred said, that's too bad because that was a good show. And I'm like, yeah, it was a good show. He's 67. I'm 63. And we think we're doing the best shows that we've ever done. And we've been at this together, man and boy, for 130 years. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and I so I, I picked that line out because because of whatever age you guys are, you've been together a long time. And why shouldn't? Of course, you're doing the best work you've ever done because you're this many years into doing this work. Right, but that that runs counter to the to the storyline that we that we've been sold forever about yep. music, especially which is that only only kids can make cutting edge music, and it's like if you were a, if you were a novelist or a painter, nobody would ever say that. They of would course, say, of course, you're going to do your better work later. But you know, I I also have seen lots of people who stick it out. I'm not going to name any names, but I've crossed paths on the on the touring road these days with people who are clearly you know even still making stuff just kind of so they can get out there and crank out the old hits you know so it does happen you know sure and it's and there's a there is a possibility that you uh guys and me you know we're just too senile to understand <laughs> no there's that that possibility well, is very real no but you know what they say age isn't a number it's an attitude and i think that's what's sort of work for us i mean just yeah, keep at it sure. and try and keep fresh and relevant and see where it takes you absolutely yeah but that matters to you guys that's the thing is that mm-hmm. matters to you guys that matters to us you know it doesn't uh it doesn't matter to everybody which i'm mm-hmm. shocked to think of people yeah. you know these jobs like the jobs you guys do the job that we do uh they're a lot less glamour glamorous than people think they are and they're a lot more hard work than people think they are so why would you do them Mm-hmm. If you're not completely committed to the idea of doing them properly, no. you know, and, and and we love it Good so point. much that 
we've said this to other like well, when are you guys going to retire and we say well retire and do what another podcast yeah. <laughs> this is exactly yeah. what we would be doing retire from what exactly? yeah retire yeah. from yeah. you know making each other laugh and talking to interesting people the uh, this is the sixth studio album from lowest to the low welcome to the plunder dome here's a little flavor kids let me get this started is it was that the beginning of it oh it, it sounded yeah. like it was okay i thought i screwed it up again hang on here we go it's called hey kids you got soul sounds so strong and you're right the band is that is what a great tune real ska vibe to it when you listen to that do you remember like does it as an artist was it you just dicking around on a guitar and you sort of came up with that what 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 came first in that process yeah it tends to be a a matter of like um me dicking around on a guitar and literally singing gibberish like i literally just make guttural chimpanzee noises Mm. And every now and then, like, every now and then just a word will pop out and I'll go, oh, I wonder why I said that, you know? So it comes out of my subconscious somehow. And then sometimes I will reverse engineer the idea of the song from whatever that that word that came out or a couple words that came out or an idea or sometimes I have a little, a little line jotted down in a notebook or something. You know, it can come from any direction. And one of the beautiful things, and you guys probably find this about your show, is that what I love about it and what keeps me going is I don't really know what the process is, you know? It's this this deep in, it's like, I know it'll work if I sit down and do this weird thing I do, but I don't really know what's going on under the hood. I just know it works, you know? And Yeah, a beautiful thing. I mean, you've been doing this for over 30 years, and that song, you're still pumping out stuff like that? Wow. Impressive. Yeah, it's really impressive. And uh, as I mentioned, the... Uh, the album is called Welcome to the Plunder Dome. Go and get it wherever you get music these days. And uh, the uh, Lois and Lowe will be in Hamilton uh, at Bridgeworks with The Discarded November 9th. And I was just looking here on Spotify. You're also back in Buffalo for you Buffalo people that still listen to us on the 24th of November. And I want to talk about this. Uh, you're the subject of a new documentary titled subversives the history of the low i guess you're involved because it's about the band the history of the lowest of the low uh independent filmmaker simon head what is uh what's going on with this is it is it started filming is it going to be released soon yeah it's been finished it has had a it had a showing in toronto and a few uh select places around ontario and i think there will be a bigger uh screening run uh coming up and we'll have to let people know about that but uh yeah it's fascinating it's uh it really is another one of those moments of like being part of a documentary about the arc of your career, it really does again, feel sort of like, you know, 
you're at your own memorial or something. But, uh, <laughs> that's right. That's but it's amazing funny. because mm-hmm. I actually heard that uh, a, a woman approached Simon after one of the screenings and she was kind of livid. And this kind of sums up where we're at is that she was kind of livid and, and uh, she said, I didn't like it. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. What didn't you like about it? And she said, I thought I was going to be taken on a you know fun nostalgia trip. And she said, there's too much truth. Oh yeah, and yeah, so people hate I was that. like, well, "That's the greatest blurb for a film." Too much <laughs> truth, right. you know. But it's like you know, because the band was vulnerable, and we allowed mm-hmm. ourselves to be to talk about, you know, mm-hmm. the good, the bad, the ugly, and uh, I think that's what we're all about, you know. And it's why we can, you know, have a song like "Hey Kid." It's like we're we're not we're not thinking about like how can I make Shakespeare two point oh, you know. Mm-hmm. No, that's a fun song. Well, and I wanted to sort of bring this full circle to how we began this conversation about how some of the bands like yours and others that I named give Fred and I or put Fred and I in a mental state of where we were, what we were doing, where our careers were. And I wonder when you if I if I play this for you, which again, I played as the DJ on the show hundreds of times talked over this part which i always wonder if musicians hate that you know and i'd keep talking and talking until i said hey freddie sports comment is coming up next first lowest of the low edge 102 people always wonder how we did it but i'll tell you after so when i play that song for you does that does it give you a similar feeling oh of course yeah i mean i i've now come full circle like when when i when the band broke when the low broke up the first time and i had the rusty nails you know, of course, for a, a certain period of time, people were yelling out for salesmen and, you know, fatalist or whatever. And I would get pretty pissed because, you know, I'm just like, you know, the joke is I would go like, I'm not a fucking jukebox you know? <laughs> and, and do that thing, right? The petulant singer guy. But I mean, so many years have gone by. And actually, partially what happened was when the low had their first reunion in 2000, by then there were people in the crowd yelling out for Rusty Nail songs. And I thought, OK. Now I'm vindicated. Now I can just move forward and they could all be songs mm-hmm. in my mind. And, right. And by now I just, you know, again, it, maybe it is a, a, an age situation or uh, having done it for so long, but I'm just in a place now of gratitude that, you know, I'm very, very clearly aware that I'm a lucky duck to be, you know, going to be 59 this year and to have this history and to have this community that still gives a shit. And, uh, and that song was a big part of it. So yep. it's like, mm-hmm. you know, of course, yeah. I do. Yeah, I do that, hear the naivete and the and my and our voices sound very high and mm-hmm. and fresh. You know? So do ours. <laughs> we, hey, Freddie, tell right. them we somebody we we played some stuff from us in the early '90s. We sound like children. Well, you yeah. Know. Well, you were children. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny you use the word petulant too, because I've always that's always bewildered me when bands get annoyed with people demanding the product that they love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, well, it's, it's like they spend all this time yeah. going, "Oh God, I hope they love this. Oh God, I hope they yeah. buy this." That's and right. They do and then they go, "Oh God, I hope they don't ask for that." You know, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. weird. It's a weird way it, to do it business. Is. Like all, when you were a kid, all you'd ever want would be, I would imagine, you know, uh, uh-huh. but it's, it was a song on the radio that people would be able to sing along with. And then when it happens, you're like, oh, "I don't like this anymore." Yeah, well, exactly. I, I told um, I, I was telling Howard years ago. I was at a Spirit of the West concert. I forget why. But they started singing uh, Venice is Sinking. When the crowd started singing the chorus, it was it sent shivers up my spine. And I remember thinking, wow, how a band must feel mm-hmm. when they've accomplished that. The crowd is singing all the words back to them. And I'm sure you've had that. How does that oh, feel? I actually had it last weekend. I, mm-hmm. I was singing a song called Black Monday. And there's a part now that I, I just stopped playing guitar and I sing it a cappella. And mm-hmm. the crowd was singing along with me. So I... 
I got, I just stepped farther and farther away from the mic thinking like, I'm okay, I'm handing it off to them. And by the time I got away from the mic, it went from the lyrics to some people were like, and there's someone. Like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I better rein this I think in. they I need get, you. I better yeah. get control of this again, yeah. It, it's right. that, there's a phrase I love when it's uh, in terms of, you know, this thing that you love becomes the source of your misery. And, and I'm sure that must happen. And then, of course, it always bounces back. And when you play the beginning of this song, the crowd must go crazy. And that's still it. At your age, it's got to be a bit of a visceral. It's like shit. This this is a thing I wrote 35 years ago, and it still resonates with these people. Yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing feeling, and it never gets less amazing. Uh, listen, man, we certainly appreciate you hanging out with us, uh, Ron Hawkins. And uh, once again, the album is called "Welcome to the Plunder Dome," and as you can hear, it's just so vibrant and so good and uh, go get that where music is uh, distributed I don't even know what that is anymore and uh, where can people uh, find out more about The Low that's what I'm going to start calling it The Low because that's cool man Um, because where where do people find out information about The Low do you have like websites and things yeah there's a website called uh, lowestofthelow.com and there's also a website called ronhawkins.com so they can find out information about me and about the low and about all things uh, low life as we like to call it <laughs> um, listen it's always a pleasure running into you again I hope you enjoyed it because we certainly did yeah for sure thanks for having me okay. thanks Ron enjoy thanks, Ron. your journeys yes, yes you too. thank you for my, good luck on your journey <laughs> <laughs> alright yes there's Ron Hawkins and the journey continues for lowest of the low Thanks, Ron. You just, just let yourself out. This awkward part is you're not sure if you should go. You should go now. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Okay, man. Take it easy. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, let me tell you a thing or two, my friend, about EVNet. May I? If I may. Electric Vehicle Network. All electric vehicles are available for you to rent at rentelectric.ca. The number is 1-800-387-9391. It's not just Teslas. There's Chevrolets. There's the Nissan Leaf and more. Um, You can get a hatchback. You can get a sedan. You can get it for a day, for an hour, for a weekend, for a week. It really is a primer on the revolution that is or are EV vehicles. This is your chance to see if it fits your lifestyle at 1-800-387-9391. Rentelectric.ca, Fred. I'm fighting a sneeze right now, Howard, but I'm okay. I'm okay. Seriously, man, keep it real. Sneeze for us. Sneeze. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, uh, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Go to chamberplan.ca today, get a free quote. Uh, we're talking dental, we're talking prescriptions, we're talking therapies, we're talking an HR component, we're talking mental health, uh, like a real-time mental health line if you need it. Again, so much since COVID, COVID has dealt with mental health when it comes to people's general health. I mean, there's just no getting around it. And the Chamber Plan have stayed on top of that. They've had a mind to it, so there is an option there. Know it. Again, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Small business being, you know, two employees to 100 employees. A lot of small companies think uh, something like this isn't possible because of the cost. Take the time today, chamberplan.ca. Get a free quote. Find out what it will cost you. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Chamberplan.ca.
it's funny that Ron said when he listens to this, these songs from that era, <laughs> that their voices sound so young and high. That made me laugh because uh, yeah. whenever I listen, the only person's voice who doesn't sound to me appreciably different is Dan Duran because Dan Duran's ball sack, you know, oh. <laughs> oh, you know, it's all. It was just. It's intimidating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It may have wrinkled quite a bit, Howard, over the years, but it still hasn't changed the voice at all. Hey, by the way, that song, what's the name of it uh, that you played the new single? Hey, kid, uh, you got sold. That's a a neat song. I'm going to listen to it. It's an entirety. I'm going to listen to it. It's weird because it almost sounded to me the first time I hit this as I was in the middle of it. But it's like, who is that ska band that you and I like? Uh, The Specials. It's got a real specials vibe to it. But listen to how good his voice sounds. Like, I wouldn't know how old that singer was. No. I like that, too. Yeah, it's cool, dude. You know what? It ticks a lot of boxes for this dude. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Is it as good? Let me ask you this. Would you rather listen to this song or pile more shit on top of a butter, <laughs> top of a butter tart? I uh, listen to the song while preparing that dessert. Oh, that's great, man. Uh, all right, Dan Duran is back. Uh, do you have any? You're, are you all finished your uh, commercial obligations yes. for today? Okay, I've got one. More. Yes. 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 I. Um, I've had this happen to me. It happened to me twice now, but yesterday was the most recent time it happened as I was dressing myself. This was uh, later in the day. I was doing some laundry, so I had to change pants. And so I changed pants into the, the new pants I was... I want to see if this has happened to you too. <laughs> and, uh, and fuck, man, I couldn't find my belt. I was looking all over my... I guess I had laundry in one spot and Stan was on the bed, so the, the, the covers were rumpled and then there was a few things scattered around the room. But really, it's not that big a room. And I went from my bathroom, you know how my, the dimensions of my room, the bathroom down the hall to my bedroom, back and forth, in the closet, out of the closet, back to the bathroom, couldn't find my belt. Second time this has happened to me in the last couple of weeks. Where was my belt? On? I was on me. Mm, wow. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking no belt. Yes, the belt was oh, on me wow. on the Howl yeah, Man. No. Yeah, I'm not. Listen, I'm I'm embarrassed, but I, I'm just trying to keep it real, Dan. And I yeah. said to Stan, I went, "Well, there you go, Papa. There you go. That's Papa's second time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> second time with the belt. <laughs> Couldn't find the belt because yeah. it was already on me. That's concerning, but yeah. you know." <laughs> That's his concerning. I guess it was. It's a leading indicator. Like I can see like a phone or something, but that's actually on you. Oh yeah. Actually like So somewhere in actually fear. (laughs) Somewhere in all that process, old Grampy put the belt on, (laughs) forgot about it. Fuck. But anyone of our age has no right to laugh or ridicule that because I think we can all, all relate to that. And as much as you like to, you know, maybe deny those things are happening more and more, they just are. Yeah. You know, the old thing, we, you do it your whole life, walk into a room, why did, why did I come in here? But as you get older, the instances of that, they sure increase. 
I think it's probably something to do with focus. Because you don't, you know, like how many yeah. times you put a belt on over the years. You know, it's, it's a belt. I don't really care about belts that much, you know. Like, you know, after you put them on a hundred thousand times, you're yeah. kind of done with belts. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm wristwatches and belts. I feel naked without them. I have to have a belt on. I have to have a wristwatch on as I go about my day. Mm. Isn't that weird? That is. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, um, there's obviously an explanation subconsciously. You're right, Dan, about the routine, the the number of times you do it, that it just happened. But somewhere in that process, I had changed into some different pants, put a belt on, and then started my journey looking for the belt. Well, I'm impressed because I thought you just had one pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Yes, I only have the one pair. The one pair that fits. I am definitely wearing, I've been definitely wearing my lounging pants a lot more since uh, my six-pound weight gain. Uh, how about you, Dan Duran? Are you ready for uh, today's uh, news and views brought to you by uh, Boron One? Yeah, no, I, I'm ready. You know, I was doing it was, while I was looking around the world for interesting stories to talk about. I, you know, I ran across this, and I, I just, have you guys ever, the last time I remember hearing about a new sport was pickleball. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But have you ever heard of underwater rugby? No. I have not, Daniel. I saw some video of underwater rugby, which looked dangerous to me. Yes. And silly, but it's a weighted ball, and they have a basket or something on either end of the pool. And, uh, you know, there's it appeared to be an underwater ref in a scuba gear. Oh, so, the, and, but the players aren't, I was going to ask you, the players aren't wearing scuba gear. They're just going up to the surface and no, grabbing a breath. Yeah, they're, okay. They're wearing snorkels. And uh, I don't watch uh, snorkels and masks, I think. Yes. And flippers. And, uh, you know, it's like an, an underwater, you know, crazy town mm-hmm. fighting. It's like they're fighting Rug- underwater. Rugby's like a James tough sport, is Rugby's, yeah. not a, rugby's a very rough sport. Whole idea seems quite stupid to me, but hey, whatever, <laughs> whatever spins your propeller. I mean, seriously, rugby underwater. I guess those who play and enjoy it, but seems unnecessary. Uh totally. Uh huh. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, it may, but, but maybe but, an but, Olympic sport soon. But right. you know, again, <laughs> who, but like this is from a man over here that's putting nineteen yeah. layers on a fucking butter tart. What does he know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so. That was not your news story. That was just one of your Dan Durant's. No, no, that was just a yeah, an observation. Like, hey, I, I've never, I've, I've never even heard of it before. Just it's just a weird idea. Well, I'm, I'm with Fred. Be. It seems un- unnecessary to me. What, what if I buy a food truck and that's what it is? Fred's tarts and that's. I just go around all these fall fairs and everything and just keep dishes. That's a great these, idea. But that you know what that the would butter ent- tart yeah. and the cookie. Uh-huh. You know what that would entail. You'd have to leave your house. <laughs> you have to leave your house hire someone and and interact with people that will be talking about their fucking journeys. Yeah, oh, right. now, here's, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hell of a big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Oh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as fast for credentials. He has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, hey. And now, sorry. I had a different page open. Climbing halt. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that was a that was a very dramatic pause. Yeah. Uh, and now, live from Dan and Lisa's matrimonial home, here's movie anchorman Dan Duran. The Russians are in the bed bug fear business. Now, you remember this past summer, probably heard that Paris is, you know, overrun with bed bugs. It's at crisis levels. Well, French intelligence agents, even Lumby mentioned it, I think. French intelligence agents say Russian troll factories are Post- amplifying well, the whole Paris's bed bug ground zero thing. What? The, the, yeah, they're, they're, the Russians are in it. They're strongly, they strongly suspect Russia of amplifying fears by spreading so-called doppelganger articles on social media. Uh, that appear to be coming from French news outlets, but are totally faked. And they've come up with a whole bunch of examples of that as well. But, you know, there may be a bit of a rise in bed bugs in Paris. Over the past few years, it's been uh, growing due to uh, global warming and some other factors. But in general, there is even a, a quote here from a handler of two sniffer dogs trained to pinpoint bed bugs via their smell and said that really uh, they haven't noticed an explosion in cases in paris and people just need to calm down yeah what's you know what is the motive there for the russians if in true if in fact that is true chaos screw screw up their tourism like like what are these evildoers what like you know you sit in a room here's what we'll do let's fuck up paris this week yeah really why because they're fucking dicks Yeah. Well, Paris is coming up to the Olympics, right? You know, on 60 Minutes the other night, they were talking about the Chinese, you know, stealing ideas and technology and everything from Canada as well. United States, Canada, the English-speaking countries that form this coalition of technical or technology and whatever it is and they were all talking about this how the chinese rather than just working together you give us some ideas we'll give you some ideas and working together they just circumvent everything and steal it it's theft and how they've brought so many huge companies to their knees because they steal their ideas then produce it for next to nothing and just how unfair that is and it's like what is your motive like can't we all just get along (laughs) <laughs> can't we all just get along absolutely can't we all just get along can't everyone just be mm-hmm. nice with each other and stop attacking each other and mm-hmm. yeah you know but uh no we can't uh and you know sometimes you see those pictures from whatever space technology the space station or some telescope that we've invented as a, a, a human as humanity and you see how tiny the planet is compared to the whole solar system and you know yeah, can't we all just get along? Not not to get too deep into this, but more and more I think about that when I see these conflicts throughout the world. It's what you said, Howard. This little tiny speck in space. Like, why is there boundaries at all? Like, we're humans. It's the Earth. Shouldn't all of it belong to all of it, all of us? And listen, I'm not naive. I know how this stuff starts. And yeah, with well. the history of it. But as we you know, as there's more and more people on this little ball now, what, 8 million now or whatever? Yeah, 8 million At what point plus. do we realize that boundaries aren't going to matter anymore? Well, you know, like, you know my solution. I've said it a bunch of times. You ignore what it. Is it? <clears throat> what is it? Dan, you know what I'm going to say? 
Alien invasion. No, I don't. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've all, yeah. I've told you this. Aliens yeah. are the only thing, and I know you think I'm being facetious, but think about it. Because as soon as an alien um, reveals themselves to us, there goes religion. There goes mm-hmm. the conflicts of, of mm-hmm. uh, conquerors and conquered, because now we're going to be all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. a proof of life that's bigger, better, smarter than us. So maybe that will be the thing that unites us all. By the way, my premise for a movie, don't else, anyone else take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is, uh, you know what? That's profound. It's it's so true. The one thing where it's like, if we're being attacked by aliens, where all of a sudden you pick up the phone and the Chinese and the Russians and the U.S. are all fighting together against that force. Brilliant. Which, by the way, has been the premise of some movies. But uh, because I think in a way, because, you know, I know a lot of you are waiting for Jesus, but he ain't coming back. And if he does, he's going to be over at my house for Rosh Hashanah. So suck it. But uh, <laughs> but, think, but if Jesus, if you think if you're waiting for Jesus to come back as the galvanizing force in the universe, it, it's not. He's, <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, what is it? Thank you. <laughs> but it's true. That's what I always say to Christians. Twice if on Tuesdays. If you're, yeah, if you're if you're waiting for Jesus to come back just don't forget he's gonna he won't be celebrating christmas uh but uh it's because that's only a part of the planet but if an alien forget about invasion if aliens were just finally to reveal themselves like hey we're here we've kind of been watching you guys it's not looking great um we have the ability to wipe you all out if you don't work together i know it sounds you know esoteric whatever but um why not that so that's a fear, fear-based piece you're talking about. Or if not fear, but at least something to unite us all. Because, you know, we're all, we're all on every side of every issue. Yeah. Play We Are the World right now. That would just fit great. No, I was going to play this. Oh, okay. So let's just imagine there's no countries. And that would just, yeah. Oh, yes. Wasn't that the plot of... Uh, <clears throat> the day the earth stood still. It's so, I mean, listen, it's the Klaatu, plot. Klaatu, didn't yeah, it's the, all the, that. It's the plot of uh, the Bruce Willis go to the asteroid. It's no, all, I want it to be Howard's idea. <laughs> Don't steal the movie idea. No hell below us. And what better time while John Lennon is playing Imagine to talk about Boron One? <laughs> Imagine how difficult it is to comprehend the variety of uses of boron, Dan, in construction, manufacturing, medicine, science, and so much more. Um, We've been mentioning this because, of course, they support our program. We support them. Uh, We make no claims about, you know, stocks or predictability of mining. It's a... It's a crapshoot, but I'll tell you what. Do some research on this company. They have gotten this this whole boron exploration thing to a point that very few companies ever do. And that bodes well as a potential investment for you. Again, do your research. Get your Sherpa. Get our Sherpa on it. Because uh, thousands of companies try and develop mining uh, properties and never get to the point that Boron 1 is at now. They'll be taking Boron out of the ground potentially the next 36 months, so have a look at it. Boron1.com. That's Boron1.com. <clears throat> 
Tomorrow on the show, Mark Saltzman uh, joins us. We'll be talking about new tech. Get your uh, heads around that. Maybe in time for some early ideas for holiday shopping. Uh, we won't have a date for you to come visit us uh, at Kelsey's, but uh, Dan Duran will be there. All the kids will be there. Going to have some performances. It'll be, I can tell you, around the 21st or 22nd is kind of when we're looking at, at uh, December. Um, and it, when we've talked about this yesterday, I think it was yesterday, you came up with the idea of not having it like right at the sh- We're not going to do a show in the morning. What we're going to do is we're going to show, do like an afternoon thing, like a, dr- a Christmas lunch drop-in type of thing. Right, Freddie? Mm-hmm. Yep. That should be nice to give people a chance, you know, to get uh, maybe pop into work and then pop over, not have to battle morning traffic to get to us. Yeah. Works on many levels. Have a nice lunch. And uh, so Dan, like, what's that, Daniel? Like a, like a 60-day countdown. It's the 24th of October now, so we're... Uh, Counting it down now? Is that what we're doing? I like that. Get your Humble and Fred um, Advent Christmas Party countdown calendar. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. Sure, Daniel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, of course, did it, did you mention we would like to have Dan Duran on site? Yes, I said hopefully. Well, not hopefully. I, I actually just uh, declared Dan Duran will be there. He commanded it, yes. So I well, and for a variety of reasons, because we need your technical support as well. We need to set up a small PA mm-hmm. and somehow get this to the PA so that people can play and, and hear us. And uh, Right. Uh, okay. Some planning needs to be done then. Okay. Well, that's I, our very first meeting with uh, Kelsey's will be on uh, Friday, so... Uh, we can let everyone know. Uh, just to let you know, next week uh, we'll be off uh, because of uh, the Mexican holiday. <laughs> it's not a Mexican holiday. I'm just going on a Mexican holiday. <laughs> Recognized by one. That's <laughs> right. I'm uh, going to be leaving a week from uh, this morning. I'll be uh, on my way to uh, Cancun. Yeah. You got your wardrobe buddy and everything? Yeah. Well, there's not much that fits me right now. I'm just going to be wearing balloon pants. <laughs> <laughs> a lot yeah, of elastic a, band uh, waist, yeah, waist pants. <laughs> I wish I were getting the, the two things that fit me do have elastic bands, so it's great. Yeah, Juliet will be saying, it's okay. I like a plump house. I like a plump house. <laughs> That's right. I looked up. What is, the, what is the Spanish word for fat? It's guardo. I'm uh, muy guardo. Uh, and remember what I, you know, that thing I had yesterday we were talking about, you know, humor overlooks. Just keep, you know, just keep rolling the one-liners out. Nobody okay. will get the fat. I'll do that. Well, maybe you can give me a book of yours before I leave. Uh, thanks to uh, Ron Hawkins. Hello, hello. Thanks to everyone. Dan Duran, everybody. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, and the return of two great sponsors, Bodog and Kelsey's. For contests and comments, we read all of our emails. We have a Thursday email show, and we may even just break out of that and read an email. So send it to us, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. That's Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Com. Tell your friends, subscribe to this podcast, maybe share it with your friends. That's always uh, helpful as well. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, world peace through alien invasion will help us all to enjoy every goddamn day. Tables and a microphone. Bottles and cans. Just clap your hands. Just clap your hands. Where's that?